Hey, good evening. Um, so first, before we do anything else, I want to let y'all know there's two special guests here tonight. Really, you're all special. But my mom and sister are here. So if you have any constructive criticism on how I was raised, if you could direct those comments to the lady on the couch back there, that'd be great. Uh, before we go any further, I, uh, the reason y'all have paper and pens there is I want you all to write me a thank you note. No. Um, I want y'all to do this. Take some time and answer these two questions. And, and, and answer them truthfully. I mean, look at your, don't, don't write like aspirationally, but write like, look at your life and how you're living your life and, and write uh, the answers to these questions. What do you want? What do you want in life? What are, the, what are the things that you want in life? What do you wanna see happen? What are you hoping for? What are your desires? Okay, so that's the first question. What do you want? And I know you're not finished with that yet, but here's the second question, just so I can go ahead and tell you. Um, what do you not want in life? What are the things that you are, are actively aware of that you are dreading uh, and afraid of happening? So just take, it, take a few minutes, write some of that stuff down. Okay, y'all can keep writing a little bit, but I'm just gonna tell you, uh, we are we are in our study of the letter of Philippians. Paul, the Apostle Paul, is writing a letter to the Philippian church, and he is writing this letter from prison, somewhere else, probably Rome, where he is awaiting possible execution. And he is writing to these people because he cares very deeply about them and their relationship with Jesus. And uh, tonight, we are gonna learn from our older brother, Paul, um, as, as Paul is writing this letter, I'll just speak for myself and use I statements. He is much more mature than I am. Like when he is writing this letter, he is much more mature than I am today. And so um, this is basically us getting a window into his life and him helping us is Jesus is transforming us. Um, Jesus is, if, if the Holy Spirit lives in you, we are being made like Christ. We are being transformed and being made in the image of Jesus. And the good news is God says he will finish what he started for sure. And so as we are being transformed, um, we are looking in this study at the joy. Paul, Paul talks so much about joy in this letter. And um, he is talking about the joy of losing things. Um, we, we are tempted to think that joy is found in gaining more, more for me, more of, of, of all these things that the world tells me and that I feel like I need to be happy. Um, but what Paul is talking about is, no, 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 it's actually losing. That's where you're gonna find your joy. And so uh, tonight where we're going is, 
as Jesus is making us a courageous people, people who live by faith in God um, and not by control and trying to control things, um, Paul is saying, actually, there's joy in losing your control. And so uh, if Dylan Murphy would come up, she's gonna read our passage for us. Today's scripture is from Philippians 1, 19 through 26. For I know that through your prayers and the help of the spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance. As it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be at all ashamed, but that with full courage, now and always, now as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. For me, for, to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. If I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me. Yet, which I shall choose, I cannot tell. I am hard-pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that is far better. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith, so that in me you may have ample cause to glory in Christ Jesus because of my coming to you again. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Dylan. All right, pray with me. Father, we ask uh, tonight that you would come and do what only you can do. Um, Jesus, we, we ask for your presence. Um, we ask that you would allow us to, you were always present with us, but we ask that you would allow us to experience your presence um, in a deep way tonight and that you would be made great, as our passage talks about, you would, you would be made great in our lives. Um, and in order to do that, we've gotta know you. And so would you open our eyes, open our hearts, open our minds, to see you and know you and grow in intimacy with you tonight. We ask that in Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so um, Paul says in this passage, it actually, we kind of, we cut off like the end of verse 18, but he says, I'm gonna rejoice. I'm gonna rejoice, even though I'm in prison, I'm gonna rejoice because Jesus is being made great. Um, I will rejoice that the name of Jesus and the good news of the gospel, or again, that word, Gospel is Greek just for good news, the good news of God's love for sinners in Jesus Christ. And Paul's saying, I'm rejoicing in that. Even though I'm in prison, I'm rejoicing in that. And, and so in that, he's saying, I don't know what's gonna happen to me. I'm actually rejoicing in an unknown future. I'm rejoicing even though I don't know whether I'm about to leave this earth, whether I'm about to be executed by this government. And he's not afraid, he's not threatened, and he says, I know, I know that through your prayers and through the spirit who is in me that supplies everything that I need all the time, that this will work out. This will turn out for my deliverance. Um, what does he mean by deliverance? It's, it's easy to read this passage and, and just quickly read over this and think that when he says deliverance, he's talking about getting out of prison. But if you really stop and think about it, that doesn't make sense the way that he says it. Like, me getting put in prison is gonna turn out for me getting out of prison. That's not what he's saying. He's talking about a different kind of deliverance. He's actually talking about this, this word for deliverance in the Greek is, this, is the word for salvation. 
And that's what Paul's talking about here. He's talking about his ultimate salvation. He's saying that I know that Jesus is gonna give me everything I need to endure this suffering with faith and bring me home to him, to complete my salvation, to make me fully mature in Christ, to finish the good work that he started in me. So I am fully convinced that this is gonna happen. Uh, Second Timothy, I'm just gonna tell you, we've got uh, a lot of scripture references tonight, so um, just be ready. Don't feel like you gotta go to everyone. Um, Second Timothy 4.18, the Lord, Paul says this in another place, the Lord will rescue me from every evil deed and bring me safely into his heavenly kingdom. To him be the glory forever and ever, amen. And so in verse 19, um, Paul is saying about himself, but he's also saying about you and I. Uh, when he says, I know that through your prayers and the help of the spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance. Um, what, what he's also saying is, is whatever your this is, uh, it will turn out for your deliverance too, if you are in Christ. Paul is, is so free and so confident. He's saying, I don't even care what this is. My this right now is being in prison, awaiting trial and possibly being executed. Your this today in 2021 is something different. But whatever your this is right now, Paul is saying, hey, I don't know, I don't know if you are, but I'm confident that your this is gonna turn out for your salvation that God is using this, that he is allowing you to walk through this and experience this and using this to bring you home to him fully complete in Christ. He says later in this letter, uh, in chapter four, 19 and 20, he says, and my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever, amen. And then he says in verse 20, it's, it's my eager expectation and my hope. Um, okay, let's, let's talk about what those words mean. When he says, this is my eager expectation, it's, it literally means turning my head away from everything else to look at one thing and be fixated on one thing. Um, right now, we've, we've got a seven-month-old son, and when he sees mommy come in the room, he is fixated, and it doesn't matter what you're doing right in front of him, it's, it's eyes on mommy, and it's like, okay, get out of my way, because I really wanna see what she's up to and if she's gonna come get me. But that's what Paul is saying here. It is my eager expectation. I am turning my attention away from everything else, and I'm straining my neck to see how God is gonna accomplish this salvation through what I'm experiencing right now. And when he uses the word hope, um, it's not the way that we use the word hope. Like, I hope that I have the self-control to not eat the third cookie. Oh no, I didn't. Um, it's, it's hope is a sure hope. Like, it's hope like we talked about in Advent. Like, when I'm a kid and I'm waiting for Christmas to come and it's December 1st, it's like my hope that December 25th will come 24 days later. He is sure of this. It is my eager expectation and my hope that I will not be put to shame for trusting in Christ. You know, how pitiful it would be to be in this situation and to say, no, 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 it's, it's okay, like Jesus is with me, and then he never comes. Like a kid who's waiting for their dad to come and pick him up from school, and they just keep waiting because he never comes. I know what that's like, because I did it a few weeks ago. <laughs> uh, I got a call from our son's school, and they said, Mr. Avery, I said, hey. They said, uh, this is the school and Kess is here. I'm like, yeah, I know, thank you. He loves it there. <laughs> like, not a clue. Didn't even cross my mind that 
They said, yeah, yeah, no, no, he's still physically here right now and the school day is over. Like, oh, okay, I'll be there in 10 minutes. Um, he, is, he knows that he will never be put to shame. There will never be a time where he is waiting, even if it's the 11th hour and all hope looks like it is lost. And there's only a thread left of, of maybe God will come through. He's saying, oh, well, then he will. Because he will come through. He is straining his neck saying, no, 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 no. I, I'm watching for him because I know I'm gonna see him coming over the horizon. He will never put me to shame. I, I, you and I will never be put to shame for trusting in Christ. No matter what we're experiencing, he will give us everything that we need. He will give us the courage. He will give us the faith to undergo whatever suffering is in our path and he will use it for our salvation. And we will, we will need courage. Um, this word courage that's used is confidence in the face of intimidating circumstances. And some of y'all are facing those now. I know, because I've had a lot of conversations with y'all this week. Some really scary stuff going on in your lives, in your homes, in your bodies. We need courage. We need courage to bear up in this life in suffering. And Paul is saying, I know. I know that through this body, that through this gospel partnership, my brothers and sisters praying for me, and I know that through the Holy Spirit that lives in me and gives me, meets all of my needs, I won't be put to shame and I will have full courage to do what? To live like the gospel is true, to functionally believe the gospel in my life. And he says, this is gonna be true no matter what comes my way, whether it's life or death. And so just stop here and appreciate what Paul's saying. Like, he's saying, I have full confidence in Jesus and that he will give me everything I need no matter what comes down my path, even death. Okay, let's just appreciate what, what this is. This is total confidence and this is total freedom. Paul is a free man because there is nothing, 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 nothing that is gonna come down the road of his life that is gonna upset him at all. It doesn't mean that he's like this stone, emotionless statue. It just means that when he encounters things that are terrifying and things that make him angry and things that make him sad and all kinds of suffering and pain and loss, he is bringing this to Jesus and Jesus is in him, giving him what he needs to suffer like someone who believes that the gospel is true. Listen to this, listen to what Paul says in a couple other places about the spirit that God's given us that lives in us, the spirit of Christ. It says in 2 Timothy 1.7, God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. And that word for self-control just means like the ability to live wisely, AKA the ability to live like the gospel is true. So you, you and I have that power dwelling within us. It's not like we have our learner's permit and one day we're gonna have license to use this power. Um, this, the Holy Spirit of Jesus, if you are in Christ, he lives in you now. You now have the power of love, the, the spirit of power, the spirit of love, the spirit of being able to live by faith in the truth of the gospel. 
He says too in 2 Corinthians 3.17, where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So in other words, Paul is not working this up in himself. He is not working up this confidence in himself. It is a work from start to finish of God's grace, of the power of the Holy Spirit in him who is giving him this confidence that God loves you, the gospel is true, and he will supply all of your needs. And Paul is living out of that. And so we've got to stop here and ask, okay, do I live like that? Do I functionally live like Paul is talking about here? I don't. There's a lot of, a lot of my life I live afraid and worried and anxious. But I have the Holy Spirit in me. I know that I'm in Christ. I know that the Holy Spirit lives in me. And some of y'all are probably answering the same way in your, in your minds. So what, what gives? Like, what's the breakdown? What's going on here? Well, um, go back to your list that you were, you were writing before. And let's, let's look at those for a minute. The, the things that you wrote on your list, um, are those things about making you enough or building, building your life's resume? Are some of the things that you wrote down there about making this place your permanent home? If you, if you could just do these things, if I could get here, if we could do this, then everything will be great and I can live here forever. Is there anything about other people being okay on your list that, that really touches you being okay? Like, I need this other person to be okay in this way so that I can be okay. And so, so take a minute and think about, um, are, are these the underlying motivations for, for these things that you wrote on your list? And if they are, it, one, it means you're human. But two, it's really good to see that like those three things are all fear motivated. Like, I need to know that I'm gonna be okay, that I'm gonna be enough. So like, I need a certain amount of success. I need a certain amount of money. I need a certain amount of companionship. Um, I, I really want things to be okay so that this can be my permanent home. I need a certain amount of comfort. I need a certain amount of security. Um, and, and I really don't want the people that I love to have anything bad happen to them. And so it, it's really easy without knowing it to have so much of what motivates my daily life to be fear. And so I, I can't be in a place where Paul is if I'm living out of fear. And so like a lot of the things, I mean, I don't know what your list says, but I'm guessing that a lot of the things that you wrote on your list, a lot of the things that are on my list aren't bad things. It's not bad to want these things, okay? But the problem comes when if that's what's driving your life, if you want those things at all costs, that's where we have a problem. Because if I, if I want these things, if these are my conditions to God of like, okay, you and I are gonna be cool if these things, now we have a problem. And the problem is that uh, you are basically consigning yourself to a life of fear. Because here's, here's a little equation. Confidence, the kind of confidence that Paul has only comes from living by faith. It only comes from living by faith in Jesus with no conditions. And, and when you and I live 
in control and we try to have control in our lives and we try to exercise control and find really creative ways to follow God to where he's actually following us and giving us everything that we want, that will always end up in a life of fear and anxiety because you and I don't have what it takes to make all those things happen. And so we will, even if we make them happen, we'll always be living in fear that they're gonna be taken away. And so something that we, we need to reckon with here is that following Jesus, he will never guarantee us that all the things that we do and don't want to happen on our list will come true. In fact, if they do all come true, that actually might be a bad sign. That might be a bad sign that I'm actually driving the boat and God's in the passenger seat. But Paul tells us that functional freedom and confidence can be ours. It's not gonna come overnight. It's not a snap of the fingers, but he's saying, no, no, no. This isn't just theoretical. You don't have to live with theoretical freedom and confidence. You can experience the same functional freedom and confidence that I have now, and I'll tell you how. And that's what he does here. The secret to Paul's being able to lose control is what he says in verse 21. Paul, Paul basically reveals his mindset. Uh, reveals the, the lens through which he lives all of his life. And, and most of y'all, even if you're not in church, uh, may have heard this before. For me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. But we even lose some of the force of that in the English translation because in the Greek, it's like he's just riffing and he's talking about how confident he is. And so he really just says four words here. He says, live Christ, die gain. Like all, all that I'm trying to tell you is summed up in live Christ, die gain. He is, he is so fixated on this because this is, this is the key to everything. And it's like, whoa, to die is gain? Like maybe to die is not all that bad, but like what does that mean to die is gain? And like the way that I think about my week, the way that I think about my day to day, it's usually to live is me and to die is scary, but I hope that the gospel's true. I mean, if I'm honest, that, that's where I am most of the time. But he's saying what it means that to die is gain, the word gain is, is just, I mean, the word gain in English, it's like to, to have more wealth or resources. And Paul's saying, listen, like let me give you some really good news. If you are in Christ, you cannot get any richer. There is no more gain for you under the sun. There is no more gain for you in this life. And that's not bad news, that's good news. Because you have the spirit of Christ dwelling in you. The, all of the riches and abundance of heaven, everything that is Jesus's is yours because you are his and he is yours. You are united with Christ. I am united with Christ. He lives in me, he lives in you. So Paul's saying, look, the only gain that you and I are gonna have, we have everything that there is to have, but the only gain is that when we leave this place, we will see Jesus face to face. Like we will get to really be with him in the, in the most final eternal sense that there is. 
that is the only gain that's left for any of us. And so that brings a lot of freedom, right? That brings a lot of freedom in the way that we think about this life. But, but that kind of statement, that kind of thought is, is only encouraging if you really know Jesus. And now we're getting to like the secret of Paul's success here. It's not just to repeat this mantra. It's not just to know this theoretical or theological truth. Like in order for that to really make you live differently, you have to really know this guy, Jesus, who you're talking about. I mean, if I'm in a really scary, dangerous situation and there's some random dude walking behind me and they're like, hey man, don't worry, Steve is with you. I'm like, look, I don't know who Steve is. That doesn't give me a lot of comfort. Like until I know that Steve is like a special ops trained killer, like I'm not gonna be really comforted by the fact that Steve is walking around with me. And that, that's kind of what it is to like be in Christ, but like to not really know him. It's like, okay, that's great, that sounds good. But like when it comes down to brass tacks and it's like my life and we're talking do or die, like I don't care about that. I'm, I'm scrambling to try to be in control here because I don't know this guy Jesus like that. I mean, it just make, kind of is an idea that makes me feel better about when I die that maybe there's something there. Paul's saying, look, if that's how you're living, like it's not, you're not gonna live like this. You're not gonna have confidence. You're not gonna have freedom. But if I really know Jesus, if I know him well, that changes everything. And that's what Paul's saying is Paul's like, hey, the, the way that I got here is I'm abiding in Jesus. Like I, I'm living my life abiding in him. It's what Jesus calls all of us to do in John 15. This is what he says to all of his followers. Abide in me and I in you. As a branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. And it's what Paul tells Timothy, uh, who he disciples in 1 Timothy 4.15. He says, meditate on the truths of the gospel. Meditate on this good news and immerse yourself in these truths and you will grow up into maturity. And so what Paul is saying is that um, it's really having a relationship with this Jesus that we are united with that makes the functional difference in our day-to-day -day lives. He's saying you've got to spend time with him. You've gotta just sit in his presence and let him speak to you. You've gotta meditate on his word. It's, it's not a to-do list thing to make God proud of you. God already loves you. But he's saying, hey, come, come experience this love like for real. Don't let it just be a theoretical idea. Come and let me transform you with my love and my presence in your life. And what happens is, again, it's not an overnight thing. Um, I'm not, like I said, I'm not where Paul is here. But it is happening. I can see evidence of it happening in my life. And it's, it's what Paul says in his letter, second letter to the Corinthians. He says this in 2 Corinthians 3.18. We all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image, the image of Jesus, from one degree of glory to another. What's, that means one degree of glory to another is like, it just happens over time. And this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. The Spirit of the Lord who lives in us is changing us as we spend time abiding in Jesus. So Paul is able to say here, my desire is to depart. Like, let me be real clear here. My desire is not to stay here. My desire is to leave this earth, to depart 
and to be with Jesus, for that is far better. That is spoken like a man who knows Jesus. So look at your list of what you wanna see in life. And, and I'm thinking probably nobody wrote down to die so that I could be with Jesus. That word depart means to be loosed or released, like to be relieved of duty. But the real connotation for that word is like to pack up your tent and to go home, to strike camp, to put your tent, roll it back up, put it back on your back and get out of there and go home. Paul's saying, that's what I wanna do. Like this has been really cool. I love it out here. Um, Nick and I, before COVID, uh, we went on a backpacking trip and uh, we were in the Cascade Mountains in Washington State. It was beautiful. It was amazing. We, we had adventures. We saw amazing things that we'd never seen before. We enjoyed time together. But like the reason that that was such a joy was because we both knew that that wasn't our home. Like life would have looked a little different and felt a little different if we were like, oh, we're gonna be here forever. Okay, now it's not as fun. But that's, that's what Paul is saying. Like he actually says that in his letter, second letter to the Corinthians in chapter five. He says like this body that we live in here is a tent. Like we are on a backpacking trip now here. This is not our home. And I am longing for home. I'm longing for my real home where I belong. And the longer we're out here in this wilderness, it becomes more and more clear to me that this is not my home and this is not your home. So what do we do with this? Um, what we do with this makes all the difference because it's, it's, it's not just to say, yeah, I agree with that or I believe in that. That's not gonna... That's not gonna get us here to where Paul is. But it's as we come closer to Jesus, as we abide in him, as we learn to walk with him the way that Paul was, we will actually see him and, and learn about him and, and be able to entrust ourselves to him because we'll see who he is. And we will learn to trust him more and ourselves less. I mean, think about it. Like, do you really want control anyway? Like, look at your track record. It's not good. Like, you don't want control. We think we do, but you don't. But the God of the universe who loves you has given himself. This Jesus, we can trust him. We can trust him because he's not just telling us to live this way, he's lived this way. You know, when he came to earth and, and put on flesh so that he could take our sin to the cross, in his darkest hour when he was the most distressed in the, in the blackest darkness, experiencing the most pain, the most separation from God, when he is in the garden, he is on his knees and he's praying and he's saying, Father, please take this away from me. There is nothing wrong. In fact, it would be weird if we didn't take our suffering to Jesus and ask him to do something different. I don't like the way this feels. Please take this away. But that's not where he stopped. It wasn't a demand. It wasn't a condition. He said, but not my will, but yours be done. And in that statement, he's saying, I, he's, he's, that's where Paul got it from. Jesus is saying, I don't want this, but I trust you and I love you because I know you more intimately than anyone could ever know anyone. And I know that you are good and that all of this will work out for my salvation and also the salvation of my brothers and sisters who I came to rescue. 
And Jesus is looking back over his shoulder saying, you can follow me in this because we're all going home. You don't have to be afraid. You don't have to be afraid that you're gonna get on this limb and God's gonna leave you hanging. You can follow me to the very bitter end because this all ends in us being home together forever. And so when, when Paul says, um, I'm hard pressed between these two things, like he's not saying like, oh, I don't know, like I kinda wanna be with Jesus, but also love having nice things and watching sports. You know, it's like, he's not saying that. He's saying it's, it's a tough decision because I'm trying to figure out what's happening here and I know that these people need me. I really wanna be with Jesus. That's not what's tough. I wanna go. But, but I also think maybe God is saying, you're gonna stay here for a little while because these people need you to help grow and mature in the faith. And so if I'm here, that's what I'm gonna be doing. And so, so I'm gonna leave us with this. Let's go back to our list. And uh, just a suggestion, you don't have to do this. But let's add some things onto that list and make this our prayer, okay? What do I want in life? I wanna, I wanna abide in Jesus. I wanna learn how to abide in Jesus and grow more intimately with him. I wanna grow in love for him I wanna see his name made great. And I wanna see people grow in, in maturity and intimacy with him through me. Like, God, would you please give me the, the joy of being used like Paul was used here? And I really wanna desire him more than anything. And here's the cool thing about that. You, you can rest in full freedom and confidence and know that he will answer that prayer. Father, I just give you that. Um, I ask that, that you, would, you would give us a deep hunger to abide in you, that you would lead us and to know how to do that, that you would allow us to endure suffering with faith, that you would use us for the progress and the joy in you of our brothers and sisters and those who don't know you yet, Lord. And um, I, I thank you in expectation for um, answering this prayer for us. In Jesus' name, amen.